Business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. And on the line with me is Linda Blazard. Linda, you are an expert in NGOs and organizations. Please just maybe take us back down to the very beginning, who you are, who your organization is, and how you fitted into the whole scenario. From Okay, thanks, Avi. It's a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for um, for hosting me. I'm very happy to talk about the NGO space. Um, I have a long history in NGO starting back in 2004 after Walter Sassoulou passed away, and the Net Care Group of Hospitals asked if we could uh, honor his name by creating a foundation, which we did very successfully. It was the Walter Sassoulou Children's Heart Foundation for Africa, and I led that organization for nine years. And um, subsequently then decided to hand over. I actually coached and mentored one of the Sassoulou granddaughters to take over the grandfather's legacy, and I stepped up to uh, have a so-called sabbatical, but that wasn't wasn't to be because within months I was contacted by some of the local multinational CEOs who had supported the Cardiac Foundation who said that there was an entity called United Way Worldwide who were looking to set up in South Africa. And I Googled them because I've never heard of them before. And they actually are the largest nonprofit organization worldwide. They are in 41 different countries uh, throughout the world, and they have more than 18,000 offices across the globe. And what struck me about them and what I, why I brought into them is of their business model. Their business model is all about community impact. And not just community impact, it's about collaborative, collective community impact that brings about long-term sustainable social change. Um, the tenets that they, that they support are education, very importantly. Health is another one. Income stability through enterprise development is a third one. And recently, and very excitingly, um, because of the rise, sharp rise in numbers we've seen around cases of domestic and gender-based violence and child abuse, is now social justice. So that's really exciting for me. And I, I love the business model. And when I engage with them, they ask me if I would set them up in South Africa. So that's how United Way South Africa was born back in 2013. Um, uh, took us, uh, took me over a year to get everything together, to start a founding board, to get the registration documents, etc. And United Way is not a brand that is known in South Africa. It was definitely not known there. Every American will know about it because it was started in North America, and because it is such a community-based organization, they deeply understand the community mm-hmm. needs on the ground. And that really where our, is our focus needs to be, especially in this time of pandemic, because it is the community needs, and we can't sit around board tables making decisions about what community needs are unless we actually have feet on the ground in the community and we are engaging with the community. So the business model is unique in that what it does and why it's still so relevant um, now is because what it does is we take a, a common cause and let's say food security, for example, because we know not only is that a South African um, challenge, it is a global challenge. Number one global challenge is the need for communities to have food security. And, um, and we put that on the table and then we bring the relevant stakeholders around that common cause. 
So we're involving local government, we're involving the donors who want to support something like food security, we're involving the local non-profit organisations that are steeped in the community and delivering services to the communities, and we also involve the community directly. So when you have this collaborative approach, we actually are hearing it from all the different um, inputs so that we can come up with the best solution as to how can we meet this dire need in community. And that's exactly what we did with COVID because we're fortunate in that we belong to this worldwide organization. So we can, t- I can tap into international do- donations that uh, mother companies like the three M's of the world, Cummins, etc. They all give to global foundations. But our local on the ground community organizations that are really, they have such an important role to play in the community. They rely totally on local donations. And as we've seen with the hard lockdown that we had to go into, the impact that that's had on the economy and the consequential impact that's had on social, our social lives in, and, and impact within families has been dire. And these organizations that are totally dependent on these local companies supporting them, the local companies' donations have dried up. And they are battling to actually stay relevant and deliver on the ground the great work that they do do. So from a United Way perspective, we're fortunate in that with access to the international funding, we actually can support these local on-the-ground nonprofit organizations who become our implementation partners because they deeply understand the community needs. And that's where we want to create the impact. And by being on the ground, uh, with them on the ground, we actually can collect, and I have personally been there, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see, as you mentioned earlier, what is going on on the ground? How are our communities in South Africa able to... Linda, let's, let's break it down a little bit um, for those who are not quite sure. What is the difference before between an NGO and an NPO, a non-profit organization, and a non-governmental organization? You might have difficulty answering unless you click that unmute button. Very true indeed. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to look back in two years' time, and you're going to say, I did an interview with a guy, and I was about to answer, and he told me to unmute live on air. I remember those days. That'll that'll stick with me. But um, (laughs) to answer your question is – Anything that is a, from the basic difference is a non-profit organization and it's it's become quite an outdated term. We now call it an NPC or non-profit company. And uh, the difference between a non-profit company and non-government organization is really that it's an organization that is, has got nothing to do with government, whereas an NPC or NPO has got everything to do with community. Not that NGOs don't have community, but it's just a differentiation. So it's, it's really a semantic, a semantics. There's, there's not a lot of difference between the two. And, um, I love, I love the ad that you just did about the, well, the, the letting people, the, your listeners know about, um, the psychological assistance that is needed there because what we have found during COVID is that, um, it's fine. We've been responding to the, to the need. We've been providing relief. But what we are seeing from a health perspective is an awful lot of psychological ill health coming through. 
And, you know, when someone is psychologically stressed and in, in need of assistance, it's not a wound or trauma that you can physically see. So people often don't actually relate to it because it's something that is internal. And unless we actually are brave enough and we have to be vulnerable enough to be brave enough to actually say, I need help, you know, it goes unnoticed. And everybody is trying to, and COVID has shown, that with the economy shut down as it has done, there's so much pressure on companies to keep keep their doors open, to go down to four-day work weeks, to actually, um, you know, negotiate with, with employees to take salary cuts, et cetera, just to keep going. And the psychological impact of that, and we've seen it in the health industry as well, with our first-line healthcare workers have been the people who have responded to the COVID. And but that also has changed their internal structure as well. And uh, even our, our healthcare professionals, like our doctors, you know, having to, there's been no elective surgeries, et cetera, it's impacted them too. So there's a knock-on effect on every single discipline throughout the country. And I wanted to just share with you as well is that, um, from a non-profit perspective, for us to, to stay relevant, we have, we've been responding to COVID. We have been providing relief for COVID. But within our own programs that we're running, we have had to do a lot of reimagining because we can't deliver our programs the way that we used to. For example, going into schools and having face-to-face contact with learners and giving out the hard copy uh, support because we're doing a lot of STEM support within schools. And we had to reimagine that because with the school shutting down, not only do the learners not have access to actually you know, face-to-face contact, we've had to take everything and put it online for them with our service providers. And beyond that, there's also the challenge for a lot of kids who just don't have money to have access to data. So um, what we have realized going forward is the importance of developing partnerships because partnerships, partnering with an organization that actually has the in-kind that you need that can actually allow you and partner with you to provide the service that you are providing to the support you're providing to your programs is, is key, critical. Because we talk about things like time, talent and treasure. And you've said, you know, individuals want to get involved. Individuals want to volunteer. They just often don't know where to and how to volunteer. And some people hold themselves back because they say, well, I could actually contribute 10 rand a month or I could contribute 100 rand a month. It doesn't matter how small your contribution is because all of those individual contributions add up to huge sums of money. So it's finding a local organization that you believe in, that you, that your values are aligned to, that you know is going to take your money and create sustainable change on the ground. Because we have historically had a, a history of companies giving organizations money and then there not being an adequate measurement and evaluation and report feedback. And so nonprofits have a question mark over them. And I'm hearing this, you know, from, from donors that I'm approaching is to, well, you know, we've given money before and we don't know where the money went. So my advice out there is to, besides our organization, which we very stringent about our M&E and reporting structure, is to any other nonprofit out there is to make sure that you are measuring and evaluating every, every way where you are spending the donor's money. Because it is the stories of the impact that you are creating that you're going to feed back to the donors, and that's going to capture the imagination of the donors. And I've had experience in this. And giving them a, a photo journal, for example, of this is the impact we created in one of these schools or in a community where we were distributing food parcels, and we do interviews, and we get the community perspective of what this means to them. 
feeding that back into the people who do have the money to give is, is very heartening for them. And another thing is to engage the employees because the employees within organizations also want to give back, but they need to be directed as to how can they give back and how can they best give back. So there's a lot of, of um, opportunity to, to um, embrace the community who do want to volunteer, but they need to know where they, where they must volunteer, how they must volunteer, what's expected of them. And that takes time. You need to be engaging with them. The other thing we do is, um, and, and it's just um, putting it out there for anybody who could benefit from it, an organization, a non-profit organization or non-government organization, as we've said, is that there are three critical things that we ask our board members for. And we've got volunteer board members. These are people who are um, of good, um, they, they, they bring three things to the table that I ask. And they need to be able to give us their time because volunteering takes time. They need to have the capacity to give us that time. Secondly, we're looking for them to bring out their talents to the board uh, or their talents to any organization, a nonprofit organization, because we have a board matrix. So do we, what do we need around our table? We need financial experts. We need legal experts. We need education experts. We need social experts. We need the whole matrix that actually will inform our organization and also drive our strategy forward. And then the third thing is that we ask them to bring their treasure. What businesses um, are created or have you been involved in that have been started that are ongoing and sustainable, especially in an underprivileged community? One of the programs that has um, we've had great success with is what we call our Urban Agricultural Program. So that all started with a very tiny inner-city food farm called Bambanani, tiny. And they were functioning, and, but they had and, and they, they had JoJo tanks donating to them. They had other agricultural entities donating to them, but, but no one was creating a collaborative platform for all of these people that were engaged with them to come to a common table. And, and once I started to engage, put our model on the table and say, let's bring all of the partners who are involved in this little inner city food farm to the same table, they started, the collective impact started to deepen and, and now it's become a sustainable entity. So further, that, that is where our urban agricultural program actually grew roots from. So we, in partnership with the city of Johannesburg, there's over 600 emerging farming, farmers that have been trained uh, to date, and it's beyond subsistence farming. So, yes, you take someone who has an interest and, and wants to learn how to farm. They farm firstly to feed their own families, but we take them on a developmental journey where they're farming beyond just what is subsistence to actually have excess produce that they can actually sell on or barter, to get exchange of goods, but sell on. And as they grow and reinvest that money, they can actually scale their little farm. And the city has given pockets of farms, uh, of land to all of these farmers. And now we've got a, an, in, we've got a, a value chain going into the Johannesburg, uh, fresh food, uh, uh, fruit and veggie market. But currently only 90% of all the goods, the farming, uh, um, vegetables and fruits delivered to that market come from commercial farmers. And only 10% from our local community farmers. So we need to be supporting them more. And, and that's what makes them sustainable is the more we invest and we invest and also personally develop them, take them on a journey of besides hard skills, but also the soft skills of how do I engage with stakeholders? How do I open a bank account? How do I do these, these basic things that we take for granted? How do I actually employ people? 
we take them on that journey so that they can actually become sustainable in the the little enterprise that they have they've developed. One thing that I've often seen with this, and I've seen it throughout Africa, is a development to a certain point, and then almost a sitting back and waiting for the next stage to come to you. And to give you an example, I see it with what they call waste pickers here in Johannesburg, where you've got these people with these trolleys and these bags, and they're schlepping them up and down hills. And, you know, I'm not someone to get involved in this type of enterprise, but clearly if someone had a truck with a scale and could meet people at central points and weigh and buy and pay with Pacella or any other with non-cash, they would say, but there seems to be a point where we develop to a certain point and then we sort of wallow in that lack of progress. And you see that with farmers where it gets to a certain point and why should I as the consumer pay more for a tomato simply because it's been grown inefficiently by a small farmer instead of all those farmers coming together in one way or another, creating efficiencies of scale and then the Blazards and the Ks being able to buy their tomatoes proudly at maybe a slightly slight premium because we're happy to do that, but not being paying so much extra commercial farming, you can't compete with it unless you come together. How do we change the mindset or have I approached this thing incorrectly? No, you haven't at all. And it is about a change of mindset. And it's about learning how to do things differently. And to be, to, to do that, we need to have, our minds need to be open. There's a lovely saying, you know, a mind is like a parachute. It only functions if it's open. So it's actually about the personal development alongside giving them the hard technical skills. We need to be developing them personally. So they have an, an innate belief in themselves where they know and they believe that they can actually scale and grow and and become sustainable entities on their own and where they become proactive because they, we, we also need to be developing self-motivation within them. They need to be motivated by their own successes and they can only do that and many of them have not been exposed to any any level of personal development. So we need to take them on that journey and this is what we're looking at now is besides hard skill training, it's actually also supporting them holistically and it's not just the farmers we're talking about. We can do this with the youth. It's one thing teaching them STEM as subjects, you know, to get them through the year and, and pass and on to the next year. But what about their own personal development in terms of who are they and the sense of hopelessness that unfortunately is prevailing through our societies at the moment? But to get them to a point where they say, this is who I am and this is my belief in myself. This is my value system and this is what I'm going to go, go for. I'm going for go for gold, you know, as, as we would say for Springboks. Linda, I'm so sorry. You, you keep breaking up and, and we're in the middle of something oh, really, really, and very important. But maybe just before we lose you, because we've got just over four minutes or just under four minutes now to go. If there are people who are listening and they've been, and they say to, saying to themselves, I've been waiting for years to what, to listen to Linda come onto the radio because I want to be part of something that is global, that is measurable, that is reportable. How do people get touch with you regardless of who they are so that you can guide them in the right direction in order to help communities around the country. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share those details, Avi. We can go onto our website. It's www.unitedwaysouthafrica.org 
And you can actually also go on to, if you want to see our umbrella organization and the work that is being done globally, you can go on to the www.unitedway.org. So any of those, uh, those two websites, but if you come to us in South Africa, there is an info email and you just need to contact us through that info email and we will respond to you. Uh, we, we keep a close check on that. We're also on Facebook. We're also on LinkedIn as United Way South Africa. So there are many ways in which you can contact contact us um, and, and we will respond immediately. And we, we, we would be so delighted to actually engage with the, the individual community, uh, people in the community who want to give, as you say, they just don't know where to give or how to give. And also with volunteers, you say, I've got time on my hands. And every single one has got, has got a talent of some sort that we could actually use. And then organizations who say, well, I don't have money to give at this time, but I actually run a fleet of trucks. So I could actually make um, a, a truck available to this organization. And, and we desperately need something like that in order to actually to pick up in-kind donations. So anything like that is possible. If I don't mind, top three priorities that you have right now where people need to volunteer, what would they be? Uh, they would definitely be in uh, volunteering in, in our distribution of we, we are going, we have got ongoing response to COVID and we need distribution partners. So we need people to assist us when we go to into communities and we are distributing food parcels on the ground. We're distributing uh, PPEs on the ground. We are distributing COVID educational brochures on the on the ground and hygiene packs. We need help with distribution. And that is pure volunteerism where they are prepared to get in their car and drive to where we are to assist us um, in our distribution and ongoing COVID release. And then um, and also the creation of partnerships. You know, we know that people out there, as I said earlier, they've got talent, they've got access to whatever their businesses are, while they might not have money to give, they can actually give in kind to assist us to actually become more efficient and more effective. Linda, thank you so much for your time. I'm sorry, sorry the interview was so short. Um, we just have limited time constraints yes. on Zoom. But clearly, if I just sort of hit the Linda play button and I walked away, you could talk about what you do <laughs> on a of time. This is such passion about it. And thank you because you and your organization are one of those silent oxygen generators in society where things just happen. We take it for granted that we can breathe. We take it for granted that you and your organization are there just to look after the most vulnerable in our community and take them into your care and to into your understanding that you can provide for them in the way that they need. So thank you very much. And I hope people do are in touch with you. And again, anybody, if you can donate anything, that means your time, it means your money. It means your skills. And please, if you're going to volunteer, please let your children know, let your community know, people can be involved. Yes.